Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. In today's episode, Kevin welcomes Skyway team member Vicki Straharsky to talk about GSA schedules. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. As a member, you get unlimited access to the Ask a Contracting Officer forum and hundreds of articles, webinars, and training modules. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're missing opportunities. Okay, let's learn about GSA schedules with Kevin and Vicki. We had a customer that came to us because they heard that they need to be on the GSA schedule. Is that true all the time? No, definitely not. GSA schedules are for selling products, commercial products and services to federal agencies in a different fashion than going on full and open under FedBiz Ops. But um, you're going to hear, many companies do hear, from a number of sources that they got to be on GSA schedules. And some of them are good sources of information. If you've got a program manager within the government who says, boy, I wish you were on GSA schedule, then you should really look hard at getting on GSA schedule because it's a tool that he can use to go to the contracting officer and get the contracting done more, more easily and expeditiously. Some are not so beneficial to you. They are, there are companies out there who are selling GSA schedules and they will say things like, you have to be on GSA schedules in order to sell to the government. And that is simply not true. They want to take your money to help you get on a schedule that you may or may not ever use. And one of the things to consider is that does your target customer use the GSA schedule? Because if they don't, then th- that's not how they're going to buy from you. And that's, you know, that's, that's the whole targeting thing that we talk about constantly. But that's not the topic for today. The topic we're covering today is what is a GSA schedule? What are the benefits of the GSA schedule? And who should get on it? And then, of course, you know, where do you start? What are the first steps to actually make that happen? But before we do that, I'm going to stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Vincent Lott. He's the CEO of Bavera Solutions. Sorry if I butchered that. He's a small business who focuses on government IT and public health staffing, kind of a niche. And he's in Riverdale, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta. I want to say thanks to Vincent for liking and sharing our content and for also being a member of the Contracting Officer Podcast Group on LinkedIn. Uh, When he likes and shares our stuff, that's the best way for people to find this information that we're giving away for free is for people to like and share it. So thanks for doing that. All right, back to GSA schedules. So the obvious question is, what is a GSA schedule? GSA, first of all, stands for General Services Administration. And the book answer is, this is a long-term, I think the government-wide contract to provide access to all federal agencies to buy lots and lots of commercial products and services. Any government agency can buy off of it. You've worked with GSA schedules. You've awarded things as a contracting officer on GSA schedules. And you also helped, now that you're on the industry side, you've helped lots of companies be awarded GSA schedule contracts. So what's your explanation of what is a GSA schedule? Actually, they're a great tool for helping the federal agencies to contract with your business for whatever your products and services are, as long as they're commercial products and services. The GSA schedule is actually a contract with between you, your company, and the General Services Administration. That's what they do is award literally thousands of contracts 
for millions of products and services. Then they make it available then for government federal agencies to be able to buy those products and services more easily uh, off of their contracts. They don't have to go out and recompete and all of that. So it allows competitive acquisition by the government of commercial products and services. And I'm emphasizing commercial because, for instance, it does not allow for uh, weapons, for instance. You won't find weapons under GSA schedules. You won't find tanks for the Army or missiles or things like that on a GSA schedule because the general public doesn't buy missiles. So any kind of commercial product or service, and a lot of services are under there these days, engineering, financial advisors, health and human services, a variety of of support services that the government, all federal agencies are buying regularly. So if the tank is not bought on the GSA schedule, are are there parts of it that are commercial that might actually be on the GSA schedule? Absolutely. The radios that go inside, the communications electronics that go inside the tank may well be commercial products. If it's designed and developed specifically for the military or some other agency, then it will not go on to the GSA schedule. And likewise, with that tank, the tank is is not commercial, but the service providers who maintain let's say, the training facility where the tank is managed, those services, because they're maintaining a facility, could be commercial. So it gets kind of fuzzy because the, the tank is not a, a commercial product, but a lot of the services that support the training and the facilities around the tank might be on a GSA schedule. Okay, so somebody's thinking about getting a GSA schedule. What are the benefits of having a GSA schedule? The first thing is that it makes it quite appealing to the federal agency that you're trying to sell to that it's easier to contract with you than going under standard procurement procedures. If they can find you on the GSA schedule, then they can run a competition for under that particular schedule, and it's a lot more streamlined process. Another thing is that in particular to the company is that you can see once you have your schedule then all of the procurements that are being run under that schedule, you can see the opportunity to submit a proposal, quote, or bid, whatever they ask for, but no one else can. Only those companies who hold, a, hold that particular schedule contracts can actually bid on that particular opportunity. So the third benefit is your pool of competitors just got a lot smaller You might have literally thousands of companies out there who you'd be competing against for an opportunity that's full and open posted on FedBizOps. But if you're on the schedule, there may be only 300 or 400 companies that are on there. And a lot of them won't bother to bid on the particular opportunity that you're looking at. So your pool of competitors just got a lot smaller. There's so many ways to take this. But the one thing I want to point out is that when the contract, contracting officer, the acquisition strategy is to move something from full and open, say it was awarded full and open last time, and now it goes to the GSA schedule, that change is, I don't want to say it's not going to show up because you never know, but it's not likely to show up on FBO, on Federal Business Opportunity. So you may not know where your work went. And so that's the conversation, that's the relationship part of this business. But it's also important to understand which GSA schedules to have. Because if that's where the work is going, that's the one you need. But if it's not going to that particular GSA schedule, then it's a waste of time. Knowing the difference, (laughs) it's the nuance of this business. 
So let's talk time zones. Let's talk acquisition time zones and execution time zones. And the acquisition time zones are explained in episode number three, if you're new to the podcast. The acquisition time zones that apply here are the market research zone, because the government's going to decide whether to use the GSA schedule and which one to use. And then they're going to put out a request for task order proposal under the GSA schedule. And that's when you start writing a proposal to respond to it. The GSA schedules, like you mentioned, that's a contract with the GSA. Technically, the GSA schedules are maybe the only thing that, that by themselves, the contract, the contract with the GSA does not go through the acquisition time zones because you said they're open all the time. Is that the way to say it? Yes. The uh, GSA schedules, the solicitations to get on the schedules and to get a contract on the schedules are open all the time. They don't have a due date. They literally accept proposals throughout the year with no set timeframes or anything like that. It's, it's all internal to you. So you can take a month to do your proposal and get it submitted, or you can take a year. And I've got a client who is actually taking a year <laughs> to <laughs> get the proposal drafted and into GSA. But it'll, it'll be a good one once we get it submitted. The interesting nuance to this is so the GSA contract, once you get that, there's no timeline on when you get that. Once you get that GSA contract, then the, the GSA task order work or, or delivery order work that is competed among those companies who have the GSA contracts, then the acquisition time zones start because you still have to write a requirement. You're still going through the market research just to decide you know, who can do this, how many companies are there going to be able to do this, what's the acquisition strategy within the GSA schedule. Is it going to be lowest price? What are the evaluation criteria? All that stuff still applies. But you, you brought up, a, it was a really key point that I want people to understand is the GSA contract itself is kind of like a foundation that sits underneath the acquisition and execution time zones. So we talked about how the GSA schedules are, are a quote unquote easier and potentially faster way for the government folks to award contracts. You know, it, it, why does the government care about GSA schedules? In some cases, it can be easy for agencies to purchase off of the GSA schedule because there's a huge variety of you know, products and services that are on there. They can be more effective because they allow the, the buyers to streamline the process and, and speed up the time it takes the person to get the stuff they need. Remember, the purpose of a contract is you're taking somebody who can make something and connecting them with somebody who needs it. <laughs> if you can shorten that timeline, the GSA schedule is one of the ways to do that. So what, what other benefits to the government does the, the GSA schedule have? It really does streamline the process for a lot of the purchasing agencies when they use the GSA schedules and the product or service that they're looking for is under them. Sometimes it's easy as, as using a credit card, a government credit card, and just clicking online and, and, and uh, bang, you bought it. Just like if you bought from Amazon or, or one of those other uh, commercial outlets. Sometimes it's a matter of just uh, uh, issuing a very basic request for quotes. And you don't have a lot of the, uh, you don't have to put together a full solicitation with all of the clauses and all of the reps and certs and all of that stuff because that part's already been done. The GSA schedule has been awarded. So all they have to do then is identify what the requirement is and send it out through the GSA schedule portal. And those companies who have a contract can see it and, and submit a, a proposal on it or a quote. It can shorten the time frame too. You'll find that on, I find that on the, uh, the GSA schedules, a lot of times the turnaround time is only two or three days. 
So if it comes up, you better check the due date on the, on the particular delivery order or task order because sometimes they put a very short turnaround on it uh, so that you have to submit your quote within a matter of hours. And can the agencies kind of use some of the small business approaches with GSA schedules too? Yeah, it used to be and uh, not too long ago that, um, that they couldn't actually claim or set aside a procurement for only small businesses, for instance, or 8A certified businesses. But that has changed in the past couple of years. And now agencies can actually do that. So that even further reduces your competitive pool. From a targeting perspective, so you just went from competing with everybody to competing with, you know, with a couple hundred people or a couple hundred companies that are on the GSA schedule to competing with the maybe couple dozen small businesses that are on the GSA schedule. So you're fishing in a much smaller pond now. And the government has a lot fewer proposals and quotes that they have to wade through and evaluate. So it makes it easier for them as well. I remember I was a contracting officer at Wright-Patterson back in, in the day. <laughs> I say that a lot. And uh, it, was a, it was the first GSA task order that I had awarded as a, as a contract specialist. And I remember how much fa- it felt weird because I went from working in a systems office where, where we're, managing, we're managing like, you know, the F-16 program, the training systems for the F-16, which takes like six months to get that modification done to move anything because it's so complicated. And then when I did the GSA task order and it was done like you know, that day and I'm thinking, did, did, I, did I miss anything? Like, did, I, did I get all the steps done? It's just so much more efficient. Now, keep in mind, this, it was a staffing contract. It was for a program management for three people. I mean, the scale was different. But the speed to be able to award stuff, it, it's from a buyer's perspective, it is a whole lot easier. But here's the rest of the story is that the company that we awarded that task order to, the journey to get them to that point that when the, the right opportunity happened, i.e. we needed that program manager on on our team, the journey for them to be ready to take that opportunity was probably six months to a year of getting the right GSA schedule and having everything in place so that I could take just a day. You know, it was easy from my perspective because <laughs> it's all in place, but they had put all that work ahead of time. And so I think that's one of the reasons that the government folks really appreciate the, having the ability to award on GSA schedules because a lot of the heavy lifting, like you said, all the clauses, all that stuff, it's already done. And now it's like, I can just serve my customer, which again, that's the point of contracts is to serve our customer. So let's flip to the industry side. Why does industry care about GSA schedules? One of the primary reasons that industry should care right now about GSA schedules is that there seems to be a real movement across the federal government to using GSA schedules and other multiple award contracts to streamline the acquisition processes. Another reason is that it, is, it can make it easier for you to sell your product or service to a federal agency. If you can hand them a nice prepackaged tool that says, yep, here's our price, here's our product, it's online, click, click, you can buy our stuff. That certainly appeals to a lot of different government agencies. Yeah, and, and the key point there, which you just said, is that it, to a lot of different agencies. So your product or service went from, yes, you have your target agency. Yes, you're targeting this specific agency. But if what you provide, if the service you provide or the, or the, the product you provide it's available to all the other agencies that you might not even be targeting. So let's say that you know, the Department of Defense is your agency, but the Federal Emergency Management Agency decides that, hey, we can use this too. They literally can just buy it. That's what everybody likes about the GSA schedule is that you literally can have, it's like Amazon. You can have people all over the world just buying your stuff without any effort from you. 
We've talked about why this is important, why anybody cares about it, how it's used by the government. So let's talk a little bit about what are the first steps? What are the first things that need to be done? I get that there are lots of things. I mean, it's a, it's a multi-month process, but what are the first few things that need to get done in order to get on the GSA schedule? Well, like I said, it is a process and it is kind of a unique one. It basically starts out like, like all other procurements with uh, getting the solicitation for the correct GSA schedule for you. So there's actually a two-step thing there. You need to go to gsa.gov and read through some, some of the information they have there about GSA schedules and how they have grouped the different products and services under a variety of different what they call special item numbers and, and different schedules. For instance, firefighting equipment is all under one particular schedule. Professional services, and that covers a huge variety of engineering and other professional support services that are specifically captured within the professional services schedule. So you need to find which schedule you fall under, and then then you should go and identify the solicitation. And they usually give you a link in the... Uh, the schedule discussion there to the actual solicitation, which incidentally is posted on FBO. So it will route you directly to FBO to find the current solicitation. And you will find that the solicitation may have opened or been posted years ago and they are still open. And what they do is they issue a refresh, but it's the same solicitation just updated on a semi-annual or annual basis. And so you can download it and uh, begin the process. The next thing is that you want to read in, within the solicitation package, and it's a package. It's got like 22, 25 attachments. It is not just one little document, so get ready to read. But the first one you want to read is the Read Me First document. You really, truly need to read that document. It gives you some good information about what you're going to find in the solicitation and how the schedules work. It's only a couple of pages, but it has two requirements in it that you go and take a couple of courses online free run by GSA so that you can, it helps you determine whether or not you want to get on the schedule, whether it's for you. And it talks about how some of the process of getting on the schedule and what will be expected of you. And here's the, here's the real clincher. You have to take the courses anyway because you have to get the certification that shows that you did take the courses and actually put it in your proposal when you submit it because they are going to insist that you take those courses before you go ahead and submit your proposal. Otherwise, they won't even look at it. But it does help you. Ultimately, it helps you determine whether the GSA schedules are for you. And I've worked with lots of different companies who have looked at GSA schedules. Some, it's a no-brainer. They do training or something like that that is a very common thing that, that all of the different agencies use. And I've had clients who've, who've determined that it is not for them. They've looked at it and they'll go elsewhere and do something else. And a big part of this, we talked about, it's, you said it's 25 attachments. I mean, it's an enormous document to go through. It's a pretty substantial proposal, but remember, we go back to what we said five minutes ago, this is effectively giving you a hunting license to the entire federal government. So it's the whole one step back, three steps forward kind of thing. This is not a one-shot contract with one agency. This is not a you know, one five-year IDIQ for one service. 
this gives you the ability to, like, like you said, professional services. I mean, that's engineering, that's advisory and assistance services, it's training, it's program management, it's all kinds of things. You get that schedule, you can get all kinds of different work under that one schedule. So that it's, it sounds like a lot of work, but if it's the right fit for you, that's why it's a lot of work is it's, you're doing all the heavy lifting up front. And as a contracting officer, I like that because you saved me a lot of time when it comes time to, to award a task order to you. And so obviously this means you're going to spend a lot of time and effort getting on the GSA schedule. And so that's why it's probably one of the many reasons that, that the GSA has the read me first <laughs> section, as well as, you know, we coach a lot of our clients that it may or may not be the right thing because it, if you're going to spend the time and effort or hire somebody to spend the time and effort, make sure it's going to have an ROI. And the ROI can be enormous or, or it can be zero. And I should clarify too that even if you hire somebody to help you, and you know many do because it is a complex solicitation and that's, that's a fact, you're also going to have to spend your time and energy to help with doing the proposal. It, it can't be just somebody else here, go off and do it and come back and hand me my proposal and I'll submit it. You're going to invest a lot of your time and energy and resources also into getting on the GSA schedule along with whoever you get to help you. Yeah, even if you get somebody to help you and we help our clients with this, we're not doing it in a, in a vacuum. They're not throwing this, hey, get me a GSA schedule and then it magically comes back over the wall. I mean, that's not how it works. In fact, you work with customers and kind of try to figure out, is it even the right fit given how unique the service you provide is? We have a client who not too long ago I worked with to review, go through the solicitation. He was very determined to uh, get on the GSA schedule. He had, he had customers who, who wanted him to be on GSA schedule. And we walked through and he went and took the courses and we looked at a number of what they call special item numbers within the professional services. That's what he um, we felt like he fell under. And ultimately, he ended up stopping it. It was so taking up so much time of his. But on top of that, it was not a clear fit. And it was going to be a serious challenge to write what was needed for submittal and successful award of a contract. And it's a great example of he already had other contracts. You know, we've already helped him win other contracts. So it becomes a to time exercise of, I have all this opportunity over here that I'm already executing. Do I take my eye off the ball and go chase you know, the possibility of this? And in the end, his answer to those few customers that want him to be on a GSA schedule is, you know what? I'm also an 8A. I'm also a veteran of small business. There are other ways to get a contract through my company if you really want one. That is very true. And I want to add one more thing. The GSA schedules, especially the professional services solicitation, GSA has noted that it's taking up to a year for them to get around to evaluating a proposal submitted against that one. And that's because they're so backlogged because they're getting a lot of proposals submitted to get on schedule, especially under professional services. So the, the big takeaways for me is that GSA schedule, it's, just, it's another acquisition strategy. It's one of many that the government has to pick from. So the trick is you got to make sure on the, on the industry side, make sure you know if that's how your customer buys. And likewise, if you're on the government side, make sure that that acquisition strategy makes sense for what you're trying to do. The number of awards and contracts and just projects that are going through the GSA schedules and the multiple award contracts is increasing. But from the government side, it, it's, it's faster and, and, and more efficient, quote unquote. And on both sides, is 
use them wisely. You know, there's so many different ways. It's, it's like, a, I guess it's not like it is an entire industry built up around GSA schedules. All right. Thanks, Vicky, once again, for sitting in on the podcast. If uh, anybody needs help with GSA schedules, whether it's finding the right schedule, understanding the solicitation, or actually getting a successful proposal to get a GSA contract, that's what Vicky does, um, among other things. So if you want to talk to us, go to skywayacq.com and schedule a time to chat about it. In the meantime, have a great day, and I'll talk to you next time, Vicky. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us today. If you need help with GSA schedules, visit askskyway.com to learn how Skyway can help. We'll see you next week. Does that make sense? What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I just, I just backed up. No, it doesn't. <laughs>